T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. You better you bet host Nick Costos joining us this morning. Good to see you, sir. How you doing, my friend? It's chilling. How we doing, gentlemen? What's going on? We're going to see if we can get you hot because the Houston Astros sort of apologizing. Even asked, what do you say if you're the Yankees, your team? Apologizing this morning at spring training. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, owner Jim Crane. Listen. Thank you, Jim. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with you all. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I've learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy, and thank you, Alex. Uh, I also will be brief. We had a great uh, team meeting last night, and I want to say that the whole Astros organization and the team uh, feel bad about what happened in in 2017, <clears throat> we especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the gain of baseball. And our team is determined to, to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in, in 2020. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Crane, what do you have to say to the Yankees and teams that you beat in 17? Listen, the, the Yankees have had a few comments out there. Um, you know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Nick Costos, your reaction? I mean, they're fucking clown-ass, fraud-ass motherfuckers, right? I mean, like, who would believe this shit? Like, the guy gets... Imagine like the ball, and I guess like, it's kind of like a a couple ways to take this, right? Because like, what are they supposed to say? Like, if you're a Jim Crane, what are you supposed to say? Like, yeah, like we won because we cheated. Then like, it opens up another can of worms. So like one part of me kind of understands why they kind of had to do this and take the PR hit because there's really nothing they can say. But really like, it's almost like, don't say anything. Like, I would rather not hear anything than hear him say it. It's our opinion that, that this didn't have anything to do with the game. It's his opinion, guys. Think about this. It's this fucking ass clown, Jim Crane's opinion, that cheating didn't impact the game. It's also my opinion that the sky is red and grass isn't green and, you know, water is dry. That's my opinion. Like, if this guy can get up there in front of the media and go, it's my opinion that cheating didn't impact the game. Well, then let's all make up a bunch of shit. 
Like, it's my opinion that I'm actually not five foot seven. I'm six foot seven. I'm actually tall. That's how I'm going to live my life right now. If these assholes can get up there and fucking lie to people's faces, then so am I. Cheating didn't impact the game. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, like, does anyone, and like, I'm a Yankee fan, so like, I'm biased, and I guess people will be like, oh, you're a fucking bitter Yankee fan. Like, what, what do you guys think? Like, who, who is ever going to listen to anything Jose Altuve or Alex Bregman ever have to say ever again? Like, you cheated. You thumbed your nose at it, especially that piece of shit Bregman. And I'd love to hear what fucking Justin Verlander has to say about all this. Justin Verlander's got something to say about fucking everything. He's, you know, killing writers from the Detroit Free Press last year, you know, who, who, who used to cover him when he was at the Tigers. That guy he gives shit to. Verlander's got a comment about everything under the sun, but then his team cheats to win the World Series, and now he's on the fucking side of a milk carton. Like, get these fuckers out of my face. Like, they're going to get booed relentlessly all season long. It's not going to be enough. They should really have the World Series title stripped from them, and they should thank their lucky stars that that's not the case. Like, the toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put it back in. But, like, all of these guys, especially Bregman and Altuve, like, scarlet letter C for the rest of their careers, that C stands for cheating. Cheating, lying-ass, scumbag-ass motherfuckers. Fuck the Houston Astros. All right. So, (laughs) a couple things. One is, you know, we just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we just heard the audio. We didn't see the video, but that just seemed so fake and insincere that it almost was like a Saturday Night Live skit. And Altuve slides in the in 2017 when we already know now they've done it other years. Washington Post just had that story that people were suspecting for years And he thinks he can just slide in that in 2017. My question, Nick, maybe I'm missing something. But why do you say especially Bregman and Altuve? Like, do we know that they were more involved? Like, maybe I missed that. Well, Bregman's kind of always been like one of these guys that's like, fuck everybody else. I'm better than everybody. And I think that's kind of why they sent him up there, because he's one of been one of these fucking righteous, holier than thou, sanctimonious, self-righteous, son of a bitch, pieces of shit that gets up there. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're the Houston Astros. We're fucking better than everyone. And then Altuve's the fucking MVP. And Altuve's the one who's like, oh, no, don't rip my shirt off. My wife doesn't like it. Like, fuck. (laughs) Fuck you, man. Fuck you, man. You're fucking lying. You're a lie. They're liars. Everyone, no, anyone with half a fucking brain, even the most fucking dumbass Houston Astro fanatic, and like all fans are dumb to a degree, including me. So like, I'm not trying to be like Astros fans are dumber than anyone else, except they are in this instance, right? I think that kind of is the case. Who in their right minds would believe anything these guys have to say? Who would believe it? Who would believe it? It's our opinion that cheating didn't affect the outcome of the game. Really? Is that your opinion? Great. It's of my fucking opinion then that that the fucking that that the moon is what actually lights up Earth you know, during daylight and not the sun. That's my opinion. Cheating did impact. Fuck you. Fuck them. Like just don't so, say anything. Don't fucking say anything instead of saying that. Yeah, that that should have been a no comment. That's a bad comment by him. So, Damn. I mean, they have to answer. Like Altuve, they have to answer for whether or not they had buzzers, right? Number one. Number two. I'm just so curious to see how much worse as players they are now. I guess it's not going to make, like, will it be a noticeable difference or not really? 
you know, it's really, we talk about this on You Better You Bet. It's really like kind of tough to say here because this is kind of unprecedented, right? So like baseball prospectus has their Pocota projections, right? Which is like their their algorithm that they run to determine like what a player's performance is going to be, you know, based on 162 games, like a, a, that huge sample size. And then, you know, kind of um, projecting what records are going to be, right? So the Astros per Pocota are projected to win 98 games this year, which is like a real, the Yankees are projected to win 99 games just for the sake of comparison, right? So I think when you look at on the field, like the Astros are still really good. Like Jose Altuve is still a good player, like regardless of whether or not they had the sign stealing, like Alex Bregman is still a good player. Verlander's still going to be a good pitcher. They still got good players. But what you can't quantify is the black cloud that's going to be hanging over them the entire season. The fact that they're maybe they're like pro wrestling heels and they're going to like like feed off of the booing that they're going to take on the road with them the entire season. Maybe they're going to be better for it. But I think it's it's kind of it's kind of very tough to quantify what the Astros are going to look like this year. I tend to think that they're probably going to be a little better than people expect them to be in the regular season, just because the talent is there. Um, so I actually, yeah, I I. I I, I think they're going to win the AL West still. And I think this is going to be like a big time issue for baseball the entire season. Cause I don't think the Astros are going to be go to like, this is not an 81 and 81 team. Like no way, no how like people stay healthy. This is a team that's winning 90 plus games. There's no doubt about it. I want to get your thoughts on another of your teams. And that's the New York Knicks who had some interesting stories this week. One was that they're the most valuable organization in the NBA 4.6 billion dollars for an organization that can't get out of its own way. They have their branding rep, Steve Stout, go on ESPN and basically fire the coach and the entire staff, prompting Mike Francesa, radio.com, to say, how much more of a laughing stock can this franchise become? Can you answer Francesa's question? No, no, I don't want to. Do we have to talk about the Knicks? Like, why? Like, wh what is what is different like this than anything else that's happened over the last 20 years? It's Groundhog Day. Like, I stopped, like, giving a shit. Like, your guy Dylan that you have working on the show, I give Dylan a lot of credit. Dylan Burns, right? He is still, like, emotionally invested in the Knicks. And, like, and he didn't even, he's younger, he didn't even get the 90s like I did to really appreciate, like, how good like the Knicks can be and how the city transforms when the Knicks are good. Um, Like I had when I was growing up as a kid. But, like, Here's what I would say to Dylan and all the other people that are like emotionally invested in the Knicks. Why? Why would you do this to yourself? Like, I, I really don't care. Like, I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's news. Wow, the Knicks are a clown show. Great. How is this any different than anything else that's happened over the last 20 years? They suck. I'm, I'm hoping against hope that Leon Rose, I wanted World Wide West to be involved also. I'm hoping against hope that Leon Rose can help bring some credibility to this organization. But who the fuck knows, man? I mean, fucking... Jackass the Clown is still in charge, fucking Jim Dolan. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't fucking know. I, I don't fucking care. I'm like, I'm past it. I can't do right, my so energy. getting upset about the Knicks. I just can't. Are you excited <laughs> and or encouraged about, I, you know, I never even thought, Nick, about betting on like the dunk contest oh, or three-point shooting contest. I feel like that would be amazing. Oh yeah, I've been doing it for like 15 years. It's great. It's tremendous. Um, and honestly, it makes Saturday is a more fun All Star Weekend day than Sunday because the game is like whatever. And like honestly, I try I tried to read like when they put out, and I know it's to honor Kobe. So like I'm not like I am not shitting on that part of it where like like they're going to 24 at the end. But I'm trying to like read the rules of like this new All Star game, and it felt like I was studying for a test. And I'm like, fuck, I've been out of college for like 15 years. I'm done. 20 years, I'm out. So I'm out. I'm not even I'm not even looking at the shit. So I don't even know what the rules are. I don't care. It's irrelevant to me. Um, but Saturday night, 
It's going to be great. So we've got the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and the skills contest. I'll give you quick picks for all three. Aaron Gordon's going to win the dunk contest. He's the favorite, plus 130. We remember... You know, everyone wants to talk about the Vince Carter dunk contest in 2000, the Michael Jordan, Dominique, great showdowns in the late 80s, the Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine dunk contest, which Levine won, which Aaron Gordon probably should have won, is one of the great dunk contests of all time. Like, Gordon is like a world-class dunker, and not just a world-class dunker, but a world-class like prop dunker in an event like this. So, I mean, there are other guys like, like Dwight Howard. You know, if he does a big Kobe tribute and like it came out after Kobe passed that, you know, Kobe was going to be maybe involved with the dunk for Dwight. If he does a big Kobe tribute, maybe that gets like the sentimental vote. And I hate to kind of use that in like handicapping, but I think we have to here. Um, I'm still going to go with Aaron Gordon plus 130. He's the favorite. Um, and the three point contest. Here's a change that everyone needs to know about. So in addition to the regular like five stations or, or is it five? Yeah, five stations where you shoot from. Now you have a couple shots from a farther distance as well. Um, that you can get more points on. And I think that's going to favor Trey Young, honestly, who like who is bombs away all the time. Trey Young is one of the favorites here, but I look to him to win the three-point contest. And let's take a shot right now um, at, for the skills competition here. I'm going to take a big man here, and let's keep in mind that De'Aaron Fox was the favorite last year. Didn't make it out of the first round, because if you get tripped up on like the passing or the three-point at the end, you can easily get eliminated in something like this. So I'm looking for long shots when it concerns the skills challenge. I'm going to take a look at the son of... He's not my Vetus. He's not your Vetus. Our Vetus Sabonis. Our Vetus' son, DeMontis, of the Indiana Pacers, is a big man who, like his pops, who came to the NBA late. Just a quick aside here. Our Vetus Sabonis, if he had played in the NBA in his prime, would have gone down as like the greatest passing big man of all time, one of the greatest centers of all time, but came to the NBA late, so doesn't get the credit he deserves. DeMontis is a great passing big man. He can put the ball on the ground. He can shoot from long distance. DeMontis Sabonis plus 700 will be my pick for the skills competition. Sabonis for the skills competition. Gordon for the dunk. Trey Young for the three. Love it. All right, want to see what kind of human being you are before we go, Costos. And it's really easy. When you're pulling into a, a crowded parking lot. Well, I, I'm not sure about that. I still have faith in you. You're pulling into a crowded parking lot. Well, I don't lot, really care what you think. Behind you. <laughs> That's cool. Nothing ticks me off every day more than dropping off, picking up kids. Maybe I'm going to dance. Maybe I'm going to basketball. One of the 19 things I drive my kids to all week. And there's always some asshole taking an extra two or three minutes to back into a freaking parking space in a crowded parking lot where traffic is streaming in all to save yourself about nine seconds when you leave that spot later on. There is a special place in hell for every one of you that takes an extra two minutes while I back into a parking space. Are you selfish or unselfish? Um, I don't really think that's like a selfish thing to do that. I mean, I don't really back into spots because I have like bad depth perception. So like I, I am a great driver, right? Like I'm a phenomenal driver, but when it comes to like parking and shit, like I feel like I may need glasses or something because my depth perception's all off. Like I'll park and I'll think I'm like right up on the curb and I'm like 10 feet away from it. And like I have like 20-20 vision. So it's like weird. I don't know. I don't know. But like I don't think there's really a problem with people like backing into the spots. Like what's what's wrong with that? There's a lot of shit that gets under my skin and pisses me off. Like I don't think that's one of them. Oh, it is it gets like you know what pissed skin. me off yesterday? You know what it, pissed me off yeah. yesterday? Like what? I went to park, I got my hair cut yesterday. I went to park in front of the fucking, in front of the salon and some fucking asshole was like halfway in both fucking spots. So I had to like, 
park like way back in order to get a spot that was like somewhat close to where I where I needed to go. That fucking piss. That guy should be fucking. I would I'm I would never say that someone should be executed for something like that. But if I were to say it, it would be about that person that was in both spots. That's that kind of shit is infuriating. The person that wants to back into a spot but like stay within the lines and like not be in multiple spots, that's okay. It's the fucking assholes that can't fucking fit in one spot that should be fucking killed. I said it, that's right. Executed. Jesus, that is hot. Hot take, I don't like that guy either. That guy is actually Who's worse, worse than the moron. That guy's worse. That guy's can worse. I ask you guys a I, can I ask you guys a question? Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, Are we yeah, over time? Yeah. I don't care. Um, yes, did you guys, I do. Did you guys see the, I appreciate that. Did you guys see the video of like, and I don't know whether it's doctored or not, of the guy like hitting the woman's seat that was reclining on the airplane? That was on Twitter yeah. like all day yesterday. Here's my yeah. take on that. No. I think they're both yeah. they're both assholes. That's my take on it. They both suck. The guy that's hitting the chair sucks. Because I had this happen to me recently when I was flying to Chicago for one of the You Better You Bet shows. When I was in an exit row, my plane, my seat couldn't recline. And the guy in front of me was reclining. And not only was he was he reclining, but like he was like, I thought he was like in the fucking like bouncy castle going back and forth on it. And I kept, and I fucking put my knee right in the fucking middle of that fucking chair. And so I didn't, so I, I kind of did it to a degree, but I was not like punching the chair or doing anything like that. So I think, you know, we all have to remember at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? They're both assholes though. The fucking recliner's an asshole and the fucking, it's the, and it, only an asshole because it's the last row of the plane. That's the only reason why. Otherwise, I think everyone should recline. Okay, That's Ross is a recliner. Ross is a recliner. This, so this am is I. A great like, what's wrong with reclining? Have like, to. I go with the flow. I go with the flow. I don't want to be the only guy reclining. I don't want to be the one why? dickhead that's breaking up the row of everyone who's being courteous to everyone else. Well, fuck that. But, but well, honestly, so here's my thought. Like, if everyone has the ability to recline, I think, like, there should be, like, like should be unwritten rules of flying, like unwritten rules of baseball. If you're seating, sitting in front of the exit row, you should not be able to recline because they can't recline. So then you're right in their fucking shit. Well, I guess this kind of then, I guess my idea sucks because then you'd have to Defeat go all the way. your whole complain. purpose, idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. The row in front, the row in front. Yeah, 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 I guess you're right. The row in front. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I'm going to be Jim Crane, guys, and be like, I still think my idea was a good idea. Hey, hey, <laughs> dude, let me, let me just summarize, okay? The the whole plane is designed for everybody to recline, number one. Like, if you look at a map and see a video when everybody reclines, it's perfect. And number two, make sure you don't have the row where you can't recline. How about doing a little research? How about picking your seat ahead of time, okay? I don't feel bad for the morons that don't do that. God, blame blame slapdick Eli Herskovich who booked the, my producer. You better you better book the flight for me and fucking put me in an exit yeah, row. And ask. 24 hours before it's before you when you check in, switch it to a different row. Boom. Usually too late. Crowded flight. Costos, do you put effort into Valentine's Day? We're gonna get to this tomorrow. Or do yeah. you just hate Valentine's Day like I do? Oh, you do? What do you do? Do you roll out roses? See, I think what here's what's got? really interesting about this is Dave kind of like. <laughs> Dave kind of like presents himself as being like this like great guy where like and I present myself as being a piece of shit. But I get the sense that Dave is actually like a, like a crusty old piece of shit and I'm actually a really nice guy. I'm a romantic man. I like all this shit. I'm into it, man. I went to I my Dave's a lot right Dave's now. a lot more of a negative hater than I ever realized. He he <laughs> hates on everybody. He hates everything. He's negative. I Lean love into Valentine's it, Dave. Day. Right? I it's love great. Valentine's Day. You know what? Who knows how many precious Valentine's days 
you'll ever have with your wife and daughter ever. You better enjoy the shit out of it, make them all feel special, and stop being a pussy. To the NFL and to the XFL, really, we go. And another me versus you sort of question. Should the NFL consider first you, the tens of millions of television NFL viewers across the country, most of you who either can't afford to or just don't want to go to an NFL game, should that be considered first or should the true hardcore NFL fans, the season ticket holders, should they be the consideration first for the league? Who is more important? Because this league was built on the backs of season ticket holders and those fans who want to tailgate and go pay an extra $100, $200 to see a game, to see eight games a year. That's what the league was built on, but the future, of course, is all about you at television, the television viewer. And so the NFL now considering flex scheduling as part of its Monday Night Football package, which begs that question, Ross, who should be more important? Should it be the loyal, diehard, committed season ticket holders or where the almighty buck ultimately comes from now, the television viewer. You know, Dave, this is a tough one for me. And I'm already looking at the poll results, and I can tell it's a tough one for people as well. At RDC Home and Home, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. The network, at RDC Sports. You know, it... I I think it's the fan at the stadium because I think that the fan being at the stadium is very important for the fan viewing it at home, if that makes sense. So it's not a good look for any sporting event. And I've done a lot of them as a broadcaster, Dave, and you have too. It's just different if there aren't a lot of people there. It's just different if there isn't an intense atmosphere and fans that you can tell really care or are into it. Now, in terms of flex scheduling, yeah, you're kind of screwing over the season ticket holder a little bit, but let's be honest, they're going to go or they're going to sell or give their tickets to somebody else who's going to go anyway, probably, right? So I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure about okay. that. That's well, yeah. Okay, so that's – but by the way, that's the question. Um, monetarily, the TV viewer is – there's just much many more of them, and it's much more important that you do what's best for all the people at home – than the 65,000 that might be inconvenienced. There's no there's no debate about that. So from a league perspective, it's more important all the millions and millions of people at home, but you would agree, Dave, it's very important for television that there are people in the stands and they look like they give a shit. Yes, but how many fans would abandon their season tickets because of uh, changes like flex scheduling. And that's ultimately the question. Now, a lot of parents, if they were committed to a Sunday afternoon football game and they're taking their kids, would not be able to go if suddenly, last minute, you move that game to a Monday night. 
you're probably not bringing your kids to a game, at least out on the East Coast or the Central Time Zone when they're going to be home at 12 o'clock, 1 in the morning. Those fans that travel to games, you're talking Packers fans, you're talking Steelers fans, you're talking Patriots fans, probably a few other fan bases as well, but those are the core traveling fan bases. Would they stop traveling to away games if all of a sudden they plan to fly in, fly on a Sunday, you move that game to a Monday, it's going to cost them several hundred more dollars to change their their plane reservation. So what type of an impact would moving games from a Sunday to a Monday night, what type of impact would that have on the crowd? Look, bottom line is it's it's not as great a game at stadiums. No game is, maybe baseball. Football is all about the television experience. And I say you have to prioritize the best television numbers and you have to prioritize those TV audiences. I don't think flex scheduling, messing around with a few season ticket holders, let's call them 30, 40,000 per market. The benefit you'd get from moving a great game to Monday night is far greater than the outcry of a a few thousand season ticket holders, in my estimation. You got to go with the TV experience here. Yeah, you know what? I, I guess it all depends on on whose perspective we're coming from, right? I mean, every season ticket holder, Dave, would say the season ticket holders at the stadium are more important. Um, everybody that doesn't go to the games and watches at home would say the television people are more important. I, I guess the question that we really need to debate is the team and the leagues themselves. Because I'd also say this, Dave, not only are the people in the stands very important from a television perspective, but those are usually the diehards of the diehards, bro. Like, those are the people that buy the most merch. Those are the people that spend, look, I know the TV ratings are big, right? I, I get that. But for individual teams, they don't, I mean, they do care about the national television audience because they get that national TV money. I get that. But that goes up a ton every year. Those people that go to the stand, stadium, they all have jerseys. They all buy a bunch of beers and $12 hot dogs. I mean, they go there and they throw a couple hundred bucks right in your pocket if you're the team. I think the teams might say the people at the stadium. I think the league would say it's the people at home. I think the teams would say publicly it's the people in the stands. I think they would say privately and in negotiations, just make me some money. Just make me rich. And what makes me richest is that massive television deal that some feel could go up 40, 50% and the next TV deal. So yes, publicly, I think they would at least pledge to you that it is those season ticket holders because that has to be your public face. But it's a big question. Well, And, here, and here's the question yeah. too, Dave. Sorry. And yeah. here's the question too is, oh. here'd be my question. And, I, and then I could answer this. How much more money do they get from ABC ESPN if they institute flex scheduling? Like, if that's $10 million, I'm saying, I don't know. If it's $50 million, that's that might be different. So to me, on some level, we need to know 
and maybe we can get some TV guy on what the value is of ABC slash ESPN being able to flex schedule a good game from Sunday to Monday when the Monday night game's shitty. Yeah, that's that's a big good business question. Uh, so let's figure it. Somebody that can. I'm guessing the benefit from TV money exponentially outweighs. I mean, you're not going to be playing in front of an empty stadium. You might impact a few thousand fans that are probably going to have to bail. So absolutely, I think this leans heavily towards the television audience. And, and it's a question for your. XFL, as they're building a league, what should they focus on as well? Because what we saw in week one of the XFL and what we'll see this coming weekend is it's all about the television product. Would you go to an XFL game? I would not, but I don't go to NFL games either because to me, the benefit of the XFL, what makes it unique is the television experience, the refs being mic'd up, the coach being mic'd up, hearing the last second communication with the quarterback, the replay booth, being mic'd up. It's all about those uh, television experiences, the in-game interviews with players during the game, if you hadn't seen it on week one. So it's clear that the XFL is all about the television dollar. And and that tells you a lot about the economics, I think, of football, that they are focused on on some increased TV numbers. And yeah, as long as they get 14,000 in a stadium looks like they're going to be okay. Now there's a different question is should they play in smaller stadiums? And I think the NFL should ultimately as well. Smaller stadiums look better, feel better when they're full rather than putting that same number in MetLife. But Ross, would you go to an XFL game based on the television product? No, no. I, I think what the XFL has going for them is that they're willing to be very aggressive and creative with, the television product. I mean, that, that, that's their shot in my mind is to be even more aggressive with the TV product, be even more aggressive on the sports betting thing. Like I gotta tell you, I mean, I probably, they're spending pretty good money on these quarterbacks from what I've heard. I probably would have spent the money on Manziel probably would have spent the money on Tebow Uh, to get more people watching, probably not Kaepernick. Although even at $20 million, I think you could argue that Kaepernick would give you a return on that investment with that many people watching and curious and all of his supporters, everything that goes along with that, all of the attention and buzz you would get. I mean, it's probably $20 million worth, to be honest with you. So I probably would have done that. On, I, I'd be even more aggressive on TV. And like Jim Zorn came out and said, I didn't know that they were going to talk about, you know, the microphones would be that. Jim, 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 we're, we're trying to let you have a job, bro. Okay? We are trying to let you have a job in football. All you have to do is let them have everything you say, who cares? Who gives a shit, Jim? You're not saying anything that interesting or that earth shattering anyway. In fact, it'd be nice if you did. I mean, what I, that, that they made, like if we had Oliver Luck come on again, I would tell him all these things, but that to me is a big mistake. Like every coach 
And every player should be keenly aware that there's microphones everywhere. And by the way, encouraged to say shit. Positive, negative, energetic, I don't know. But it shouldn't be, I, I really was surprised. that I, I didn't think they'd have that, that kind of access. Jim, we're trying to give you a job, dude. We're trying to let you keep a job. Help me help you, Jim. Help me help you. Help me help you. I had a question That'd on all the... I have a question for you. Strategically, all the uh, mic'd up coaching um, calls to the quarterback, all the mic'd up coaches, how much would that hurt or help your opposition prepare for you? Do you now have to change up your terminology for offense and for defense each and every week because now the other team knows what um, Omaha means? Okay, first of all, Omaha means we're going to snap the ball on first count. Omaha Blue Goat. Omaha Blue Goat. So now I just told the whole world that secret, okay? That's number one. Number two, they're not going to use the – like, they still have broadcasters. They're not going to use the the audio that often. And a lot of times they can use it after the fact. But if they use it right before the play, you're not going to have time – to be watching, because by the way, there's a delay in the TV broadcast. So you're not going to be able to watch the, hear him call it, and then signal down, uh, they called uh, XY post, watch the Y post. I mean, if you're trying to do that, to me, you've probably already lost, especially when, by the way, how many times are I going to do that the whole game? Three or four times? So you're going to have one guy that's just there to try to radio that down? to maybe give you a snippet of information. I don't think it's that big of a deal from a competitive standpoint. Mm. I mean, nowadays, Dave, they have that microphone on like the umpire. Um, You hear so much. Like you can hear NFL quarterbacks, their whole cadence and everything. I hear Brady say, um, uh, Lito, Lito, which means they're dueling Mike to Sam to the left side. Rita, is a dual Mike to Sam to the right side. Like I still know, I still remember what that stuff is. Rita, he, he the, the the line is sliding to the right, dual reading the Mike to the Sam, whoever comes. I mean, everybody knows what that is. Okay, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I, I was just watching that that broadcast in week one, thinking about how is this going to factor into preparations? How much more difficult would changing your terminology be each and every week? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Mel Tucker 
packing his bags, leaving my alma mater, Christian Fourier's alma mater, and Drew Pearson's alma mater, the former Cowboys wide receiver, joins us later on this morning and going to Michigan State for more money. Damn it. I'm just pissing myself off this morning. I'm Dave Briggs in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. And Christian Fourier, Sports Radio WEI, former Patriots and University of Colorado tight end joining us now on the phone. Christian, good to talk to you. A lot of sports stuff to get to. But I start with this. When you pull into a parking lot, you take your kids to a lot of stuff. You pick them up at a lot of things. Do you back into a parking space or do you pull into it efficiently and quickly and let the rest of the parents move along the way? What type of human being are you? Well, I'm, a, I'm an efficient human being. So if I have the opportunity, I am backing in. Is, oh. it, but I'm always backing in because I want a quick getaway. But if I'm in like a drugstore or if I'm at like a shopping mall where there's a lot of people, I go head first and I don't worry about it. But at work? We have this we have this discussion slash fight all the time. I back in. I, I don't. I feel like it's more efficient. I feel like it's smarter. People who people who go in head first when they don't need to are lazy. But that's me. What you got, Chris? <sighs> all right, Tucker, go. Well, I was just gonna say, as usual, Christian, you are right, <laughs> and Dave is wrong. I back in nation represent, but because by the way. If you're backing in right, it doesn't take very long at all. Number one, number no. two, you you are you are being more considerate to the cars on either side of the parking spot when you back in. When you go front in, oh. you there is no way if you got a big SUV like me, there's no way you're going to be too close to one side or the other. And usually it's the car to your driver's side if you go front in. So. Christian, so we brought you on for a reason, and it's not for your backing in expertise, okay? Okay. We brought you in because you said recently 99.6% chance that Brady will not be back in New England. You live up there. We played together up there. Yeah. You have a show up there. What what changed? What, What information do you have? Why do you feel that way? Well, first of all, it's, it's, this, this is probably the craziest year of free agency I've ever seen in my life with one guy. But here's what changed. We've been, I've been doing this running, this running bit about the percentages for, since you know, free agency started. I was at 80%. And then, uh, and then I jumped to like 90%. Then I jumped to 99.6 because I want to give myself some wiggle room. I didn't talk to anybody. Nobody sourced any information from me. This is purely my opinion based on just, you know, my experience, one, with free agency, two, with the Patriots, and three, I would say, based on just all the bogus information and that is out there and what the reality is, because I started thinking about myself as a free agent and what I was doing and how when, every time I was a free agent or becoming a free agent, I knew a year ahead of time. I knew based on the landscape, uh, who, was, who was in my tight ends group, how much money they had, what type of vision they had, what, what direction the team wanted to go in. I knew every single time, and, and, and also every single time, I was a little bit delusional thinking that, no, 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 they want me, they want me. Well, they didn't, because the facts were right in front of my face. My agent was telling me I understood how the league worked, okay? So when I could see it clearly, you know, then I was able 
to be honest with myself. So I just started, I, just, I look at Brady's contract, look at what he's doing with his life, look at the fake narratives and, and all the leaks and all the stories that are coming out there from various analysts or slash quote unquote insiders uh, who are talking about, you know, just for example, uh, we'll, let, we'll let Brady go out and, you know, you know, Patriots are willing to let Brady go out and test the market. Uh, the Patriots are willing to, you know, pay him 30 plus million dollars. I mean, none of it, none of it makes any sense. None of it whatsoever, because there is this 13.5 cap. There is this idea that if you let him walk, he ain't coming back. One, because someone else is going to make him a better offer. Two, um, they're, they're, uh, they're going to they're have to try and match it, which I don't think they can or even want to. Still my opinion. Like, that's it. But people are playing it off like it's some sort of facts or like it's some sort of information, which it isn't. So, you know, it's interesting, Christian, because I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. And when I see the reports out that they're willing to offer them $30 million a year, that they want to know by March 16th, which, by the way, makes no sense. Like, he's never even met some of these other coaches and people like that. And when Robert Kraft keeps saying it's his preference that Brady comes back, I feel like the Patriots are already kind of getting out there in front of what's yeah. going to be the PR battle when Brady, if and when Brady eventually goes somewhere else. You know, these craft comments, the 30 million, the March 16th, I almost feel like that's their way of laying the groundwork so that people don't blame them when he goes somewhere else. Yeah, you know, you're you're on it. I agree with you. I just after I don't know how many days or it's been. I just felt like on Wednesday, I just felt like I was being lied to. I was being taken advantage of. I used to have this offensive line coach, you know, who used to say, uh, you know, don't. And when when guys would give them false information during a play, instead of being honest with what happened, they would lie during you know a halftime adjustment or during you know series. And then I remember he said, you know, stop peeing on my head and telling me it's raining. You know, stop, stop, stop trying to act like it's something. What I all, we all know that it, that's not what it is. And I think there is this PR push. I do think there is this let's get out there. But the information is misleading and it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't add up. So I was like, I was like uh, 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 I'm just going to try and look at it from a player's perspective who was in the league, was a free agent multiple times, had a family was nearing the end of the career, was trying to lay roots, was trying, was trying to serve not only my wife, but my kids and my career and trying to do the right thing. You know, that's what, how I looked at it. And the other part of this is I just don't know why it's okay to admit that he's been here a long time. It's been unbelievably awesome. And you know what? He's going to be gone two years. And when he comes back, there'll be a statue in front of the let's say like I, why it's like, and like nobody wants to be blamed for him leaving if he does leave, you know, like nobody wants to take the blame for it. Well, it wasn't our fault. We offered him up. We said we'd offer up to 30 million. I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, well, Brady said, uh, you know, it's all about weapons. Well, you know, uh, we're not giving them weapons. You know, how could they? You know, so I think that th this whole March 16th date is bogus. I think they already know. I think they, I, in my opinion, they already knew that this was a the route they're going to inevitably take with Brady. Yeah. And that's okay to say that. It doesn't mean like the world's coming to an end.
Christian Fourier with us, former Patriots tight end host at WEEI, Ordway, Merloni, and Fourier. Uh, you look at that as a former player. You look at major sports news yesterday as a parent and as a former University of Colorado tight end. Your son, Caleb, committed to yeah. play for the University of Colorado to go play for Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, after one five and seven season and a pretty stellar recruiting class that included your son, bolted to Michigan State for one reason and one reason only, a significant one, they doubled his salary. What's your reaction to Mel Tucker telling parents like you and kids like your son that he's going to be there, he's committed, he is staying, and then leaving for money? Yeah, you know, I have a lot to say on this, and I want to be careful because emotionally, like, I was, I was affected by it, right? Because he does talk to you. You do give up other opportunities. Like, my son had his choice of where he could go, and he chose Colorado for a big reason because of Mel. But I, will, I did tell him this. I said, listen, like, they're all lying to you, all of them. They all lie. It's like they're, it's part of their job to lie for a living. Hey, offer scholarships that aren't real scholarships unless you take an unofficial visit so they can – whatever. It's like it's on and on and on. So they're constantly lying to you, and there's always some, some, some truth in there to kind of convince you that, you know, they want you to sign there. I always, I always told them, do not fall in love with the coach. Do not fall in love with your position coach. They will be gone. I had three different, four different offensive coordinators. I had three different position coaches. I was lucky enough to have the same head coach. But most guys don't have that luxury. Their, their coach leaves and comes and goes. So on one hand – it's part of the it's part of the business. On the other hand, you do have some accountability, Mel Tucker. Like you do have some accountability. I get it. A better looking person walked in uh, to the dance, and now you don't like the date you came with, right? So you 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 leave, and you leave for more money. It's a great opportunity. Blah 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 blah. Fine. Okay. We'll move on. We'll get over it. But my issue is, you do have a responsibility to the players and the parents whose house you walked into, whose mothers you sat down and talked to, whose kids that you convinced and sold them on a vision. You sold them on an idea. And, okay, this is life. Things change. Let me explain it to you. Well, they're going to be mad at you. They're going to yell at you. But at least you can hold your head up, walk around Michigan State campus, knowing that you did the right thing despite of how painful it was going to be. So, yeah, I'm a little angry with – not the fact that he left, but how it's being handled, right? And it maybe, it's, maybe it paints a picture of a bigger problem in the NCAA and recruiting. I can't even I, – I don't even want to try to distinguish in how to deal with that. Coaches leave all the time. It's part of the business. People leave jobs all the time. I don't want to get into that. Just do the right thing. Get on the phone. Well, Michigan State won't let me do it. Well, tell Michigan State no. If Michigan State was willing to double your, your salary and convince you to leave – when you'd already had a commitment with somebody else, tell them you won't take the job unless you can do the right thing. And then everybody's happy, right? I mean, to me, that's ultimately my biggest issue. Everything else is part of life. Get over it. Let's move on. My biggest problem with it is when guys, grown-ass men, who are teaching accountability, discipline, do the right thing, accountability, don't do it themselves. A bunch of freaking hypocrites. So whatever. I don't want you to raise my son. I don't want you to teach him anything because you obviously don't know how to do it. You know, that drives me insane, guys. And I hate that fact that I'm getting so angry because 
The job's not done yet. Like, the job's not finished. You can't take another job unless you close the door on the last job that you were at. So, whatever. Do what you want, you know? Passionate, man. I understand. I can't imagine your frustration as a parent. Christian Fourier, the man, the myth, the legend, 99.6% sure Brady's leaving New England. Check him out. Ordway, <laughs> Fourier, radio.com app. Good to talk to you, my friend. Appreciate it. All right, boys. Everybody settle down. Let's have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Got them all fired up. Christian Fourier, thank you. Christian Fourier is angry about this situation. Mel Tucker leaving Colorado, going to Michigan State. Well, Drew Pearson is angry at the situation as a grandparent. A similar tale to Christian Fourier and what he just told us. The legendary Cowboys wide receiver, part of the 1970s all-decade team, one of the greats of all time, Drew Pearson joining us on Home and Home. Great to have you on, sir. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. You called Mel Tucker a con man on Twitter yesterday. Explain why. Well, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm a little fired up after listening to Christian. I was going to uh, uh, take a different approach, but I understand how he feels about the process and the system. That's the problem. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, I'm concerned, uh, first of all, I want to apologize to Mel Tucker. He's not a con man. I mean, he's just part of the system. He's just doing what's best for him, what's best for his family. He's paid his dues in the coaching ranks and stuff like that to get to where he is, uh, to be offered a $30 million package-type uh, salary package uh, to go to Michigan State. And, you know, he's from up that way and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of stuff played into his decision. And the reason I was so upset is because when I, I, I'm sleeping in bed, I get the, uh, the text alert. Uh, that he's decided to go to Michigan State, and I get pissed right away. And I contact my grandson, did he hear about this? And he says, yes, I heard about it, Grandpa. He says, as a matter of fact, it's the first thing I woke up to this morning. So he got the same kind of flash text that I did concerning uh, Coach Tucker making the decision to go to Michigan State. And I felt bad for him because, you know, he went through that recruiting process Coach Tucker sat there with two other kids from the area that decided to go to Colorado, two very good athletes that could have gone anywhere, uh, along with my grandson, just about anywhere. Uh, you know, and I just felt that I felt his disappointment there. And when the coach is there and bringing us all together, all the three guys uh, that from this area, when he met with us with some other assistant coaches and with the, each of us had all our family there and our parents and uh, grandparents like myself were there. And, you know, when they tell you things, you believe that, you know, you want to take that as gospel because you're making a big decision at the, at this point in the life. This is my grandson's biggest decision he's ever had to make. And for him not to be able to, uh, go with somebody that influenced or be there with somebody that influenced that decision, you know, that that's the disappointing part. And I came out cause I was upset. I was really upset and not so much with uh, Mel Tucker, you know, Baylor interviewed him. I sat in that office with Matt rule and he's telling my grandson the same thing. He ain't going nowhere, you know? So I'm more upset with the system, the process, 
And the NCAA does not do anything unless they're forced to do something. They sit there and watch how this process plays out each and every time a coach moves and each and every time somebody other than the players get the benefits uh, that for participating in the NCAA, whatever sport it might be, you know, but they never do anything. That's why California, the laws, the uh, judicial system had to step in and force the uh, NCAA to bless the fact that, you know, in California, players can make, you know, uh, benefit off their likes and presence uh, that they bring to the universities and stuff like that. So I was more upset with the uh, process. And here again, guys, Ross and Dave, I'm more upset with Michigan State. You know, they just throw money out there, and then they say we don't have enough money to pay athletes and stuff like that. But they'll throw big numbers like that out there at coaches. You know, I understand their process was very, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, tough as far as finding somebody that wants to accept that job. A few other people, including Mel Tucker, turned it down. But, you know, this is Michigan State. We got deep pockets. We can get somebody. How are we going to get them? Well, if we can't get them because we're Michigan State, we'll get them because we're Michigan State, and we can throw some money at them that they and make an offer that is very difficult for anybody to refuse that's in that coaching profession. So, you know, getting all back to this, uh, I'm, I'm, I apologize to Mel Tucker. He's a good man. He has a great family. His wife's an attorney. He's got two great sons, uh, and I hope that, you know, uh, they didn't, take that to heart that their their father, their husband is a con man, because he's not that by any means, for sure. Yeah, Drew, um, well well said on a lot of different levels. Always good to talk with you. Um, I talk with recruits all the time and absolutely tell them to not pick a school based on the coach, but obviously that's a big part of it. Correct uh, me if I'm wrong, Drew, but there is not a mechanism whereby your grandson can immediately transfer and not face any issues in terms of sitting out as a result of this. Because to me, that would seem to be the easy fix, would be that if there's a material change, like the head coach or position coach leaves that Mm -hmm. the players at that position or any of them, if the head coach leaves, should be able to transfer immediately without penalty if they so desire. Yeah, that definitely is. If the coach can do it, why can't the players do it? And the coaches complain about it. They complain about the transfer portal and all this. They complain anything that takes away from what they're trying to achieve. You know, coach up the, the next guy up, you know. If this guy wants to leave and he doesn't see it's the fit for him, you know, they should be able to leave just like the coaches can leave without any penalty. No Tucker is not going to have to sit out a year. But if my grandson, unless Colorado releases him, and other schools have contacted him uh, since uh, yesterday, since this news came out uh, uh, about my frustration and, of course, uh, with Mr. Tucker going to Michigan State. And so other schools have contacted my grandson, and I'm sure the other guys from this area that made commitments to Colorado, because they're very good athletes, I'm sure they got contacted by other schools as well. But what happens if that 
my grandson, can he decommit and go to another school? Uh, will Colorado uh, step up and release or, or make it uh, uh, the release available for these guys to go on to another school if they so desire? Desire since they a big part of their decision to go to Colorado was Mel Tucker. I mean, he, he's a great man. I mean, I was I wanted to sign with Colorado after talking to him. You know. <laughs> Uh, so he had a big influence. Yeah, you pick the school and the, and the school and the education and, and the, uh, the course of studies that the school has to offer. You pick a school for that reason. There's no question about that. But the big influence in your decision is the coach. So anyway, the players need to have the same equal rights as the coach to move on. And the coaches, these coaches recruit players each and every year. You know, they're, 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 uh, their nest egg, so to speak, as far as the, the wealth of players they have on their roster, doesn't get depleted like the NFL. It doesn't change over. And it changed over in four years. You get these kids for four years uh, if you treat them right and they get the playing time that they, they desire. You get them for those four years, and they expect to be there for those four years. So, anyway, uh uh, it's the it's the process, it's the system, and you know how everybody has a price. And uh, Michigan State realized what they had to do; they had to up the price to get the coach that they want, and that's what they did. Hey, everybody! It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember. You can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.